Section 1 of the Report of the Inquiry into the Role and Oversight of Private Security Contractors in Afghanistan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Issa Days, New York City, www.issadays.com. Executive Summary What used to be called warlord militias are now private security companies. Kandahar City Municipality and Dand District District Narrative Analysis ISAF Regional Command South Stability Operations Information Center March 30, 2010 In 2009, the Senate Armed Services Committee initiated an inquiry into private security contractors operating in Afghanistan. In the course of the inquiry, the committee reviewed hundreds of thousands of pages of documents from the Departments of Defense and State the U.S. Agency for International Development, and private security contractors. Committee staff conducted more than 30 interviews of military and contractor personnel and solicited written answers from several others. This report is a product of that inquiry. The committee's inquiry uncovered evidence of private security contractors funneling U.S. taxpayers' dollars to Afghan warlords and strongmen linked to murder, kidnapping, bribery, as well as Taliban and other anti-coalition activities. It revealed squandered resources and dangerous failures in contractor performance, including untrained guards, insufficient and unserviceable weapons, unmanned posts, and other shortcomings that directly affect the safety of U.S. military personnel. The committee also identified serious gaps in government oversight that allowed such failures to persist. General Stanley McChrystal, the former commander of U.S. Forces Afghanistan, and the International Security Assistance Force, ISAF, has said that private security contractors are just not right for a country that is growing law and order. And yet, U.S. Central Command's CENTCOM Armed Contractor Oversight Directorate, ACOD, reported that as of May 2010, they were aware of more than 26,000 private security personnel operating in Afghanistan. According to the ACOD, 90% of those personnel were working under either U.S. government contracts or subcontracts. The committee's investigation reveals the threat that security contractors operating without adequate U.S. government supervision can pose to the mission in Afghanistan. U.S. and U.N.-funded contracts benefit Afghan warlords. In March 2007, the U.S. Air Force Center on Energy and Environment, AFCEE, hired the Environmental Chemical Corporation, ECC, a construction and environmental remediation company, to conduct master planning and construction for the Afghan Air Corps regional expansion at Shindad Air Base. ECC contracted with Armor Group North America, Armor Group, to perform site security at the air base. To provide most of their guard force at the base, Armor Group initially relied on two warlords, who were known by the company as Mr. White and Mr. Pink. Documents and testimony link those warlords and their successors to murder, kidnapping, bribery, and anti-coalition activities. The first group of armored group guards supplied by the warlords began working at the U.S. airbase in June 2007. According to ECC security manager, the warlords had been recommended by U.S. military personnel. In fact, the U.S. military team leader at the forward operating base, FOB, adjacent to the airbase, so that he recommended Mr. Pink as the point of contact in the community 
in an effort to stop the flow of locals in search of jobs at the airbase from bothering us while we were trying to do operations. The team leader did not recall recommending Mr. White. Nevertheless, the two warlords and their successors served as manpower providers for Armor Group for the next 18 months, a period marked by a series of violent incidents. In July 2007, Mr. White was ambushed and shot just outside the airbase. Following the attack, armed Armor Group guards loyal to White attempts to leave their post to seek revenge for the attack. It was never determined who was responsible for the shooting. A rivalry was apparently developing between White and Pink, however, and ECC's security manager later suggested that the shooting was likely committed by Pink. On December 12, 2007, Mr. White again came under attack. This time, it was known that the perpetrator was Mr. Pink and his men. The attack escalated into a firefight in a local bazaar, with Pink shooting White three times, killing him. ECC's security manager later said of the shooting that it was kind of like a mafia thing. If you rub somebody out, you'll get a bigger piece of the pie. Following the shooting, it was reported that Pink was in a local village with a number of Taliban fighters. With White dead and Pink reportedly holed up with the Taliban, Armor Group found itself without a guard force provider. The company soon turned to White's brother to fill that role. He would come to be known by the company as Mr. White II. Despite reports linking Pink to the Taliban, Armor Group continued to employ his men for more than a month after White I's murder. A company report said the men's eventual termination from Armor Group was a result of reports that they were sending information to Mr. Pink regarding our movements to and from Herat, the routine of the airfield security and attempting to coerce fellow members of the Guard that they should join with Pink. Armor Group reported that they had very little choice but to fire Pink's men, particularly in light of Pink's move to the Taliban. The threat posed by Pink was not limited to operations on the airbase. In spring 2008, U.S. forces operating out of the FOB near the airfield identified Mr. Pink as a potential military target. The U.S. forces team leader said that his team considered Pink a mid-level Taliban manager and said that the fact that Mr. Pink resided immediately outside our front gate posed a force protection issue for us. Meanwhile, Mr. White, too, was expanding his security services. In summer 2008, the United Nations Office for Project Services, UNOPS, awarded Armor Group Mine Action, AGMA, one of the Armor Group family of companies, a contract to conduct mine clearance in Hara province, including in areas around Shindad. Adma hired White too, paying him thousands of dollars a month to provide security guards and vehicles. As to what White too did with that money, an army sergeant operating out of the FOB in the area said that he was advised that White too was a supporter of Taliban operations and that he would help the Taliban with money. According to the army sergeant, he was informed that White too would provide money because of his contracting jobs with Armor Group. He had a lot of money from that, and he would give that money to Taliban commanders, and they in turn would buy weapons and ammo, whatever they need. Shortly after Agma hired White too, a consultant for the company raised his own concerns about the warlord. In a report for Agma, the consultant wrote that White too had had his weapons confiscated by the Afghan Ministry of Defense, MOD and a new crackdown by the government to collect all militia's unregistered weapons. The report said that White II and the MOD commander in Herat 
had had a financial agreement allowing Mr. White, too, to operate without the necessary documents, that the agreement had not been honored by Mr. White, too, and that the MOD commander threatened to take all his weapons off him. A Marine officer said that he was aware of the seizure, and that the Afghans had taken some pretty significant stuff from White, too, including, he thought, landmines. The Marine officer said he had also seen open-source reporting after the seizure that the Afghan National Directorate of Security, NDS, had returned on July 26, 2008, and found an even bigger cache with the same group. In fact, a July 28, 2008 news report stated that NDS officials in Herat uncovered two caches of arms and ammunition suspected of belonging to Taliban on July 26, 2008. The report said the arms caches were found in the Pashtun Zargun and Shindan districts and stated that the Afghan NDS had issued a statement saying the Taliban wanted to use these weapons in terrorist attacks. Notwithstanding those reports, AGMA officials said that White II was able to retrieve his confiscated weapons and he continued as AGMA's security provider until August 2008 when he was killed in a U.S. military raid on a Taliban meeting. On August 21, 2008, U.S. and Afghan forces conducted an operation in the village of Azizabad in the Shindan district to capture or kill Mullah Sadiq, a high-value Taliban commander who U.S. forces said coordinated IED attacks in Herat and Farah provinces. The raid was based on intelligence reporting that Sadiq and a number of anti-coalition fighters would be attending a meeting that night in Azizabad. The meeting, it turns out, was being held at the home of Mr. White II. The raid met with intense resistance, and one U.S. soldier was injured in the battle. The number of Afghan casualties was significant, and included anti-coalition militia and many civilians. A post-raid U.S. Army investigation found that some of the anti-coalition militia may have been security contractors or subcontractors for Armour Group. In fact, Mr. White, too, and seven men employed as security guards for either Armor Group or AGMA were killed in the operation. In addition, a search of the raid site revealed extensive stores or weapons, explosives, and intelligence materials. The Azizabad raid was followed by local protest and strong criticism from Afghan officials. Afghan President Hamid Karzai condemned what he called the unilateral operation of the coalition forces. The Afghan Independent Human Rights Commission expressed deep concerns about civilian casualties and sent a team to investigate the bombing. Then-President George W. Bush even called President Karzai to express his regret over the civilian casualties. In the meantime, assessing that they could no longer be trusted, Armour Group dismissed its guards who had been affiliated with Mr. White too. Agma, however, did the opposite. Not only did the company keep White II's men, but they agreed to hire the brothers of men who were killed in the Azizabad raid. Agma also reached agreement with White II's brother to take over as the company's security provider, assessing that Mr. White III, as he would be known, was a man we could do business with. Notwithstanding that assessment, subsequent events led Agma personnel to question White III's loyalties as well. On September 9, 2008, guards under White III's control were observed making threatening phone calls to individuals who Agma suspected were people loyal to Mr. Pink. 
and in the midst of an increase in the number of IED incidents in the area, Agma actually discussed the potential threat from Mr. White III and his men. Despite their concerns about White III, and apparently unbeknownst to U.S. forces on the ground in the area, Agma kept his men employed as security through the end of the company's United Nations contract in December 2008. EOD technology relies on local strongmen to staff U.S.-funded contract. Using warlords and local strongmen to staff security contracts is not unique to the armor group and AGMA contracts. EOD Technology Inc., EODT, a company that provides security under a U.S. Army contract, also partnered with local strongmen to support its operations at Adraskan, another village in Hara province, just north of Shindan. In late 2007, the Combined Security Transition Command Afghanistan, CSTCA, selected Adraskan to be the site of a new national training center, NTC, for the Afghanistan National Civil Order of Police, ANCOP. On January 5, 2008, the U.S. Army awarded EODT the nearly $7 million contract to provide site security at the Adraskan NTC. To staff its guard force, EODT assigned quotas to local strongmen, or notables. What was most notable about the men, however, was their reported affiliation with criminal and anti-coalition activities. General, sometimes Colonel, Saeed Abdul Wahab Katili was one of those who recommended men for hire by EODT. Among the men he recommended were some that had been previously fired by Armor Group for reportedly providing sensitive security information to Mr. Pink, a Taliban-affiliated warlord. Wahab also lent EODT various weapons, including Soviet-made PKM machine guns and AK-47s. Wahab derived his military title from his former role as Mujahideen commander. He has been described variously as the informal number two man for Ismail Khan, the former governor of Harab province, the aide-de-camp to Ismail Khan, and the godfather of Harab province. In 2003, Wahab was reported to be the commander of the Jihadi Order Regiment of Harab, and one media report stated that he commanded 300 men in an operation near Shindan. The Jihadi Order Regiment of Harab has been assessed to be a militant group operating in and around Harab, implementing Ismail Khan's personal agenda. The U.S. military reports that Wahab's son, meanwhile, is suspected of being an agent of a hostile foreign government, that he maintains an informant network in the 207th Corps of the Afghan National Army, and has connections to local interpreters working with the U.S. military. U.S. military reporting also indicates that Wahab's son has been directly involved in the killing of local individuals to include interpreters and businessmen. Wahab is also the president and director of Arya's security company and has a relationship through Arya with other private security companies, including Compass Integrated Security Solutions, Compass. Compass, which has contracts and subcontracts with both Department of Defense, DOD, and non-DOD customers, subcontracts non-DOD convoy security in Western Afghanistan to Arya. Wahab previously provided guards to U.S. Protection and Investigation, USPI, a private security company 
who performed on subcontracts with the U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID. In fact, in May 2005, a USPI site security coordinator reported being bulldozed by Wahab and a group of men Wahab had recruited. The USPI security coordinator called Wahab a sweet talker, but a criminal just the same. EODT described Haji Dawood, another of its manpower providers, as a well-known tribal leader and one of the elders from the set villages from which the company drew most of its guard force. Other accounts, however, raised concerns about his activities. A U.S. Army Master Sergeant called him a strong arm in the community and said he would play both sides. Additionally, a report from another security company said that Mullah Dawood from Ajistan was the main influence at a high-profile Taliban meeting in Farah province and said he was responsible for the recent kidnappings around Adriskan. Military reporting also linked to Haji Dawood to Taliban activities in Farah. On June 14, 2008, Mullah Sadiq, the Taliban target of the August 21, 2008 military raid discussed above, was in Farah raising funds and recruiting personnel to support Taliban operations. According to a military report, Dawood and two other individuals hosted Sadiq. The report also identified Dawood as Taliban and linked him to recent kidnappings. A third individual who supplied men to EODT was known to company personnel as Commander Blue. The company's deputy country manager said Blue controls all the former soldiers, if you want to call them that, all the gentlemen that are doing security, and said, when you travel the road and you want to be secure, you contact Blue to make sure that number one, it's okay to go through, number two, it's safe to go through, and number three, that you have his blessing. According to one U.S. Army Master Sergeant who was at Adriscan, Commander Blue, like Haji Dawood, would play both sides. The U.S. military reports that Mirza Khan, which EODT says is Commander Blue's real name, is a former police officer who works with a hostile foreign government. Failures in government oversight of private security contractors. In addition to uncovering evidence of private security contractors relying on Afghan warlords and strongmen engaged in criminal and anti-coalition activities, the committee's inquiry also found widespread failures in contractor performance and serious lapses in government oversight that allowed such failures to persist. Between 2007 and 2009, DOD had in excess of 125 direct contracts with more than 70 entities to perform security in Afghanistan. Frequently, those contracts were to provide security at U.S. Ford Operating Bases, FOBs. The committee found that many contract files lacked information on contractors' capabilities or past performance and contained no information about how contractors performed on the job. Where performance was examined, DOD documents frequently revealed significant gaps between contractor performance and DOD and CENTCOM standards. Vetting Private Security Personnel Among CENTCOM's requirements for private security contractors, is that they submit a plan for accomplishing background checks on all contractor and subcontractor employees who will be armed under the contract. Notwithstanding that requirement, the committee's inquiry revealed serious problems with screening and vetting of security personnel. To cite just one example, 
a September 2008 audit of a security contract at Camp Blank in Nangarhar Province reported that the private security company did not have a current and complete list of guards working on site and that they did not know who works here. Failing to adequately screen contractor personnel can lead to security breaches. A March 2009 document indicated that a U.S. military commander at an FOB in Konar province fired all of the Afghan security guards at FOB blank as part of a counterintelligence operation. Another document indicated that the owner of the security company was taken into the custody of the United States for his ties to a terrorist organization and that all guards affiliated with the contractor were also removed. Training of Private Security Contractor Personnel In addition to requirements for vetting, CENTCOM rules require that contractor personnel be qualified to use their weapons and trained in the law of armed conflict and the rules for the use of force. Failures to meet training standards, however, appear widespread among DOD's private security contractors. In fact, in September 2008, the Army's Chief of Contracting at Regional Contracting Command Fenty in Jalalabad cited a recurring list of issues including lack of weapons, law of armed conflict, and rules of engagement training, with 22 Afghan security guard contracts in his area of operations. DOD documents provide additional evidence of the problem. Several guards who were interviewed by military investigators following the February 2010 shooting death of a U.S. Marine by a private security guard working under a U.S. contract in Farah province said they had not been provided any weapons training. One even claimed not to have fired a weapon since the 1980s. A March 2009 performance audit of a security contract at Blank found no evidence of annual qualification of safe handling of firearms and no annual training records for rules of use of force, rough, and laws of armed conflict. Despite the Defense Contract Management Agency issuing a corrective action request, follow-up audits do not indicate that corrective measures were ever taken by the contractor. In fact, an audit performed in August 2009 indicated that the security guards at the site were no longer authorized to carry weapons. A May 2008 performance audit of a security contract at FOB Blank in Patika Province found that there was no proof of guards' authorization to be armed and that they were not receiving rules on the use of force training and law of armed conflict training. The audit also found that the guards have no ammo and are not receiving weapons training. A follow-up audit at the end of July 2008 stated that the site did not even have enough ammunition for the guards to undergo weapons training. Private Security Contractor Performance DOD files for private security contracts that were reviewed by the committee frequently contain little or no information about how security contractors performed on the job. Performance reviews, where they did exist, often indicated significant problems. A June 2008 audit of a security contract at FOB Blank in Zabo Province said the contractor had a total of 600 bullets on site for all of its guards and reported that the vast majority of guards carried empty clips or clips with two bullets. The auditor stated this did not seem to be enough ammunition to guard a FOB. An October 2008 assessment of a security contractor operating at Camp Blank in Nangarhar Province 
found that command and control was lacking, and that it was not known who's in charge because of the constant firing and hiring of leadership. The assessment stated that observation posts at Camp Blank were not fully manned, that the contractor used rocks to simulate personnel, and that contract security personnel constantly fail to search their boss's trucks because they will get fired if they do. In February 2009, the security contractor at FOB Blank in Patika Province simply walked off the job site. Private security contracting's impact on long-term stability and security in Afghanistan. In his November 2009 inaugural statement, Afghan President Hamid Karzai stated that within the next two years, he wanted operations by all private, national, and international security firms to be ended and their duties delegated to Afghan security entities. In August 2010, President Karzai signed a decree calling for the dissolution of most private security companies in Afghanistan. Although that decree discusses the reintegration of private security personnel into the Afghan National Security Forces, the committee is not aware of any plan to transition armed security contractor personnel into the security forces or other Afghan government positions. Failing to adequately plan for a phase-out of private security contractors could lead thousands of armed men, some of whom were drawn from extra-governmental militias, unemployed once their contracts are complete. Not only does there appear to be no plan to integrate security contractor personnel into Afghan national security forces, the ranks of government forces are apparently being depleted by security contractors. In April 2010, Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Central Asia, David Sedney, testified before Congress that some ANP officers are leaving the force for better paying jobs with private security companies. An examination of pay differentials between private guards on one U.S. contract and Afghan National Police officers illustrates the problem. For example, Security guards working for Armor Group under their U.S. Air Force subcontract at Shindan Air Base in Hara Province were paid $275 per month plus a per diem for food. By contrast, as of February 2008, about the midpoint of Armor Group's performance on that contract, pay for an ANP second-class patrolman, the lowest-ranking ANP officer, was $70 a month, about one-quarter of what Armor Group guards were making. The rate earned by the armored group guards was roughly equivalent at that time to compensation for a major or a lieutenant colonel in the ANP. Some private security contractors apparently draw their guard forces from ANP and ANA ranks. Compass Integrated Security Solutions employs more than 2,300 armed security guards, some of them under contracts and subcontracts with the U.S. military. For their security contract at Camp Blank in Harad Province, Compass said that it targeted former Afghan National Army ANA, and Afghan National Police ANP, personnel. On other contracts, Compass went even further. On October 2007, the company signed a contract with the General Blank to supply the company with guards for a convoy security contract Compass had with the Supreme Group. At that time, General Blank was a serving Afghan National Police District commander. Not only that, but the contract stated that the men supplied by General Blank would be fully trained, serving or ex-members of the Afghan National Police Force of the Ministry of Interior, Afghanistan, or the Afghan National Army. 
while Compass ended its relationship with General Blank in 2008, as of June 2010, the company still had a contract with a General Blank to supply Compass with guards. According to Compass, General Blank is a serving Afghan National Air Force General. Success in Afghanistan has been defined as the point at which Afghan government earns the support of the people. That is the mission that our military personnel are charged with carrying out. But success depends on more than their actions. As commander of ISAF and U.S. forces Afghanistan, General David Petraeus has stressed achieving our goals will require unity of effort among all those operating in Afghanistan. That includes contractors. The committee's inquiry, however, revealed significant evidence that our contracting practices are detracting from that goal. The safety of our troops and the success of our mission require immediate and aggressive steps to remedy that situation. End of section one.